Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. If you love this podcast, please be our angel. Ask a friend to listen, subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a positive review, and share a screenshot of this podcast on your Facebook or Instagram stories. So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, everyone. I am here with Mel Dor. Mel has been a psychic medium practicing for over four decades. He is one of Chicagoland's leading psychic mediums, and I am just so excited to be with him today just asking questions. Mel, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, it's my pleasure to be on your show. Thank you so much. Boy, I started doing readings when I was 18. I went to college and I studied psychology because I thought that would probably answer some questions about ESP, and it didn't. And I was a social worker, but I did my psychic readings at nights and on the weekends. And then uh, WGCI, one of the, the disc jockeys, I, years ago they were called disc jockeys, <laughs> heard about me and asked me to be on. And then that led to cable shows and some national TV shows. But, you know, I'm I'll be 66 next month. And so, you know, I've worked on murder cases, missing people. I still do some forensics work. And back in the day, that was my nom de guerre, was working on uh, missing people and murder cases. We worked on the Brown's Chicken case years ago. Uh, It was a pretty heinous crime. You know, we've worked on some big-time murder cases. I have a blessing from the Pope, a for real blessing from Pope John Paul II for being a psychic. So when people say what I do is not of the church, well, wrong. (laughs) I'm a Kentucky colonel. Uh, and I'm from Kentucky originally, but in order to be a colonel, you have to do something for the good of the Commonwealth. And so I put together day programs when I was in college, uh, for kids with Down syndrome. And so I don't know, I always believe in paying it back. Um, it's hard to talk about myself because there's just so much you want to say with, at the risk of boring people or, or, or sounding egotistical. (laughs) No, I hear you. I hear you. But I love everybody to get to know more about you because you're doing such great work in the community too. So let's talk about, there are so many people who listen to this show who have these spiritual gifts coming in. When did your spiritual gifts start coming in? How did you know it? And what are the first things that people can do to really develop their intuition? As far as my psychic gifts coming through, it's just something I could always do. It's like breathing or walking. And I remember being in the first grade and my grandfather's door on my dad's side had been ill. No, I was in the second grade. I apologize. Uh, a year off. <laughs> and I've got a crazy sense of humor for our listeners. So <laughs> at any rate, well, after is healing, you know. So anyway, 
I was in second grade and I came home from school and my mother was crying and I said to her, grandpa died. And she looked at me, she goes, how did you know that? And I just knew. My dad was uh, very intuitive. Now I use the word intuition, psychic, mediumship, channel all interchangeably because they're all the same thing. Talk to us a little bit about that because there are other people out there within the community who disagree on this. And I, I see it the way that you see it. Mediumship, intuition, all of it, all of it is the same thing. Why are people like, let's just have a side conversation here. Why are people making it out to be that it's not that you only like only if you do things this way, are you a medium? Only if you do things this way, are you a healer? Well, I think the answer to that part of the question is ego. You know, some of my students say, I want to be clairvoyant. And others say, I want this and I want that. The people, some of the big name people I've seen, I'll say in the industry, you know, have huge egos. And they feel very threatened, I think, when there are people out there that can outshine them. For me as a teacher, when my students outshine me, like one of them, Lisa Nitzkin, she was amazing. I love it. To me, that's a success story. So I I think, you know, basically the terms intuitive, ESP, (laughs) boy, that's putting it out on a limb, isn't it? Mediumship, they're all interchangeable. Because in my opinion, we get our messages from spirit. And when we get them, we pass them on. That's the definition of a medium. Now, I am an old spiritualist from way back when. And there are different forms of mediumship that we talk about, but yet we're all mediums because we're all doing the work of spirit and passing it on. I think a lot of people think that mediumship is talking to the dearly departed. That's a part of it, but it's about talking to your spirit guides, in your case, your your angels. So I, I tend to think it's very limiting when people say, well, all mediums are psychics, but all not, not all psychics are mediums. It's the same thing. <laughs> I heard of an experience where one person went to see someone and that individual kind of chastised their gift. And I just found that an abomination. Now, when my students say, you know, if I'm teaching or if I'm doing a group lecture and somebody says, I'm intuitive or I'm psychic, I say, come on up. But we're all psychic. We all have it. I think it's an innate, I think really an eight instinctual survival thing that we all have because it is a guitar survival. I think some of us have it more strongly than others. It's kind of like playing the piano. You know, I can sit down and plunk out a tune, but somebody else can, you know, just have the the ability and be a concert pianist. We can all do it, some better than others. But yet what I tell people is honor your gift because it's your gift. Now this ESP mediumship psychic will come to you in ways that are idiosyncratic or unique to you. If you're visual, it'll be clairvoyant, which means clear seeing. Now, clairvoyance is not predicting the future. It just means clear sight. If you are more auditory, it'll be clairaudient. That refers to hearing. It's hearing with that inner being. If you're more kinesthetic, okay, it would be more clear feeling or clairsentient. So, It'll come to you in ways that are unique to you. Now, the more you do it, you'll start to open up all of the other areas. Now, people say the the way to develop your intuitive ability, I say it's already there. Just got to pay attention to it. They say meditate, meditate, meditate. Now, I'm a renegade on that as well. Ooh, tell us about that. If somebody, you know, I, I find in the in the movement, people say they're not dogmatic, but they are. 
and explain just so that other people understand what dogmatic is. Dogmatic is very prescribed. For example, like an organized religion, you have to pray on Friday for whatever. So, you know, it's it's just very regimented. And when people say that they're not dogmatic or proselytizing or pushing their ideas, <laughs> bull hockey. So for me, you know, and other people say when you meditate, clear your mind. That's impossible. Totally impossible. I teach my students, pay attention to the first thing that comes through. If it's visual... If it's inner voice, if it's a, if it's a feeling in your body, because that's a barometer of what's going on on the mental and the spiritual. That first thing that comes through is your intuition, your psychic ability, your mediumship. That's the way it works. Comes to the subconscious, we bring it up to the conscious mind, and then we get hung up into analysis paralysis. Is this me thinking this? Is this my intuition? Break the OCD loop, folks, <laughs> and give the frickin' message. That is the hardest thing for me to get my students to do is give the message. Now, you have to use discernment. Uh, when I look at some of these TV shows, which, by the way, with psychics are edited to the nth degree, yeah, I've heard that there are a lot of shows where they will film with one person for two hours and just take like the the best 10 minutes of the show. And that's a good example <laughs> because they're heavily edited. So a lot of times when you would see some of the mediums doing an audience with an audience participation, then they do another show and another show. And it's the same audience members. They just switch around or change clothes. <laughs> Are you serious? Like they have the same people? Are they they placing these people in the audience? I just think it's the same audience. <laughs> and so they're taping three or four shows in one day. So don't forget, you know, for production costs and things like that. <laughs> I mean, there used to be a show on years ago. I, I can't, I won't go into it, but they, that was very common. The other thing is, is, you know, when um, I see some of these shows and there's, supposedly a psychic medium at the grocery store walking up to somebody saying, I see your spirits, you know, whatever spirits coming through. That is bull hockey again. Nobody goes to the grocery store and does that. <laughs> I have had this happen, though. A lot of times it'll be for the person who's working there. So I've gone in to get food. I've gone into Portillo's and there will be, there was a woman there and her husband would not leave me alone. He had just passed away. He said, my wife and I used to come to Portillo's every Sunday. And he said, you have to go over there. I have to talk to her. So I used to carry 25 minute gift cards in my pocket and go up to somebody and say, I don't want to make you cry right now, but this is what I do. And um, if you want to come in, you can come in. But she needed those messages. I think that's a little bit different. That's using discernment. Okay. The thing I think when we sell on, te when we sit on television, it's really, it's a scripted, non-scripted. Nobody walks up to somebody in the jewel <laughs> when you're shopping and says, I see for you. You know, when I'm out and people come up and they say, are you Mel Dorm? I'm like, yeah, you know, they say, do you know how well known you are? I go, no, I really didn't think about it. But if they say, what do you see for me? And people do that because they're curious and this and that. And I just say an appointment <laughs> and I give them a car. You know, I've had other people say, well, if you're so psychic, tell me what I'm thinking. And my response to that is, uh, I'm not a mind reader. I'm a psychic. And right now I wouldn't want to be in your head. <laughs> 
So we can set our boundaries, but I just think a lot of the stuff that's on TV is just so hyped and edited and kind of scripted and it's not real. The TV shows I've done, uh, we did one one time where we had to go to some place somewhere. They didn't tell us anything, nothing. And so when we got to O'Hare, you know, we called them. They said, go to United Airlines. So we did. And the flight we were going on was to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They picked us up at the airport. There was a whole camera crew. Uh, they take us to this firehouse. We didn't know anything. Uh, but basically what it was is we, I picked it up as the firehouse was haunted and I saw a firefighter there who was electrocuted many, many years ago. And that turned out to be, to be the case. <laughs> so. Now that was edited to the degree that, you know, we did our work and then you have to wait for them to set up the scenes. And then you see us walking through the firehouse, but that they put in last. And so it's edited a little, but that's all we knew. So, you know, I'd like to think some of these shows are for real, but you know, I've been doing this for so many years and I've gone undercover and, and, and busted fake psychics and mediums and all of that. So when I look at that stuff, I tend to be a bit skeptical. And a little healthy skepticism is good for everybody. That's what I tell my clients too. And everybody who's listening to this podcast, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to feel things for yourself and feel that resonance for yourself. So Mel, I want to take this conversation in two different directions. Um, so I want to just put these questions out there and then we can go through them one by one. But when it comes to busting psychics and mediums, because they are using different techniques, what are those and how can people discern for themselves? The other thing is, well, and I guess too, how did you bust them? The other thing is, are healers who are on maybe a smaller stage thinking that their gifts aren't as powerful because these TV shows are editing so much and making the industry look like it's this perfect picture when that's not really what a real reading looks like? Uh, for me, a real reading is somebody comes into my office, we do it one-to-one, -one, and I do it in conversation, much like we're doing it now. You know, I just want people to be comfortable. I bring my dog to the office, all of that. I think with the, with the false psychics or the fake ones, the thing to be aware of are the ones with the neon lights in their window. And I've had people come into, into my office and say, Oh, I went to so and so and they said I had a curse. Well, if you go to somebody and they tell you, you have a curse, get up and walk out because that's the oldest scam in the book. And I said, now wait a minute. Let me get this right. So here she wanted you to go out and buy special candles. They said they have good special candles. Yes. I go, and how much were those? Oh, 200. But then that didn't work. So then they had, I said, let me guess. They had to go get a special vessel or vase, right? And they're going to order it from like India or wherever. And, you know, and they have to get a special chain to chain the evil spirit in. And, and then they say it's going to be 2000 more, right? I've had clients that have lost 10 or $15,000. So those are the people we go undercover and bust. You know, we send in somebody who pretends to be a client and they're not <laughs> or, and, and so <laughs> Madam Olga or whatever gets busted. I think some of the faith healers that you're talking about, uh, there was a big expose on that. And a lot of times what happens is when you go to the faith healers, they're told beforehand a certain section of the audience where people are setting. So they might say, Oh, somebody here has scoliosis. 
Now, they don't know who that person is, but they've already been told that somebody in that section has scoliosis. Now, how do they know that? Because before they go in, they fill out a form, <laughs> either online, and they've probably got what's wrong with them on there. A lot of them use earpieces. So they have somebody uh, saying, you know, uh, front row seat five, Jane Doe. Jane has a limb on her left leg. And so they know that again by how the forms are filled out. I'm not saying that all faith healers are phonies because they're not. Nancy Regan is a wonderful energy healer. Uh, Eva Skorpikova, who runs space from me, does pranic healing, and she's amazing. So I would be aware of any of the faith healers, you know, who have these huge auditoriums full of people and, you know, are having people march around. I think it should be more intimate than that. So there are some wonderful healers out there. But unfortunately, I think the fakes taint it for us all. So I think what happens is they make it look so wonderful, like it's really working, so they get more clients or whatever. And then the people like the amazing Randy come along and just say, we're all fakes. <laughs> so I just want to do my work, and I just want to continue to help people. And I tell my students, don't let the ego get in the way. Because that's when you get screwed up. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these people. And we're not saying that uh, there aren't people who are on the big stage with this that aren't real. Because I've met Teresa Caputo before. I really believe that she is who she says she is. Her gifts are very, very powerful. I believe the same about Tyler Henry. I haven't, I haven't had cable since 2010 or 2011, so I don't know all of the newer ones. So we're definitely not saying that. But you can really feel into their energy a lot of times, and you can feel whether they're high vibrational or lower vibrational and kind of see what resonates best for you that way too. When it comes to this industry though, I think there are so many people who are listening to this podcast who really see themselves as healers and are looking at whether or not to get into this work. And something that just came across my path was a darker side to this industry too is and we touched on this at the beginning, but I want to go into this deeper. It's healers, big and small, who are teaching other healers and they kind of use their power. They use their ego to go, you know, you shouldn't be a medium and you shouldn't be a medium and you should. And it, it's so negative and it's so hurtful that I think if I was a healer that was just getting into this industry and I had gone to one of these workshops that these big people teach, I I would have thought, well, my goodness, like this isn't my work. But I know through and through and through that I have been called by God to be doing this work. I know from the feedback that I get from my clients that it's helping so many different people. So no person has the right to tell this to another person. It really comes as a divine gift to help others. Have you seen this? Because I know you've worked, you are on the board of directors at the Infinity Foundation, which is a huge organization here in Illinois, brings the best healers around the world to Illinois. What have you seen and how can people take what other healers say that's negative with a grain of salt and not let them shut down their gifts? Well, number one, I think if we're in this industry, we should never, ever say to somebody, oh, you're not a healer or you're not a medium or you're not this or that, unless they're fake, of course. I think, you know, here again is ego. 
And so I tell my students to honor the gifts you have. Well, I want to be a healer. Well, maybe your gift is more clairvoyant. And so it still falls within, you know, the psychic realm. So work on that. Now, in my classes, I do have my bell. Because if somebody gives some kind of excuse, like, I'm not getting anything, I'll ring my bell. (laughs) But I encourage them to give the message. And I'll bring them in front and have them give messages. And before the classes are over, they're reading each other. So mine is is more about, you know, I'm the drill sergeant, but in a good way, to bring out their talents and abilities and encourage them, as opposed to being kept in destructo, like, that's wrong, you don't have a gift, da-da-da-da-da-da. I just think that's almost abusive, and it is an abuse of power. You know, in Hawaiian, there's a word called mana. Mana means energy. And it's okay for us to share it with others. We never try to rob someone of it or allow us to rob us of it. So I think what can happen in some of the situations you've talked about, if you're not careful, it can rob you of your mana, your power, you know, with that negativity. And then you start questioning your whole work. So, you know, set boundaries. And if somebody, you know, starts to talk to you that way, you're not a medium, you're not this, you're not that, I would politely tell them uh, where to go because they shouldn't be doing the kind of work they're doing if they're that discouraging. <laughs> you know, here again, don't be dissuaded if you're at home. One little technique I like to do to teach people healing and the person getting healed doesn't even have to be present is you visualize a ball of light, whatever color you want. You visualize that person's face in the ball of light and you compress the ball of light and you fill it with an emotion like love or kindness because psychic energy is fueled by emotion. You fill it with an emotion and then you fire it at them like a cannon. And it's a very simple way that people can start practicing their healing abilities at home and then they can feel comfortable with it. Now, I do always ask uh, spiritually of permission to go into that sick person's energy field. So, because we always want to ask that permission. And at least like when you were saying, when you walked up to the lady at Portillo's, you ask her permission. What I was getting at is some of the TV shows, they just walk up and start talking to people. And no, you never do that. You have to use discernment. That's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to talk to you about your medical mediumship because you are a medical medium. And when you're working with somebody, how does that information come through to you? I know sometimes as a healer, when you've been doing this for so long, it's almost hard to say, well, this is exactly how it happens because it's almost like reading or talking. It just, bam, it just happens and it's there. But I wonder if you can kind of give us like an insight into your being and what that's like for you and how you knew that you were a medical medium? Well, number one, I'm not a doctor. And so a lot of people that say they're medical mediums or this and that diagnose. And no, I'm not licensed to practice medicine. Uh, I'm not a doctor. But I have had some people come to me with illnesses that can't quite get diagnosed and ask my opinion. That's not a diagnosis. Or even doctors I have as clients. And I think a really good doctor uh, who's a good diagnostician is very intuitive because they're getting the idea of what's wrong, and it doesn't necessarily have to be what the textbook says. So here again, our intuitive ability, psychic ability, mediumship will come to us in ways that are unique to us and in areas that we know. So I was always really inclined toward biology and uh, physiology and anatomy. And then I worked as a social worker. I used to work in a hospital when I was in college. So, and in my head, sometimes it's like an x-ray 
Uh, but when you get these visual things, it's just really quick. It's a glimpse. Or it could be like automatic writing. It's just like, I know, but I don't know how I know or what I know. I just know. And that's kind of hard to get your hands around. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it can be a medical term that pops in my head. So I write it down. I find when I do my medical mediumship, but also even on murder cases and missing people and things like that, if I try to play detective, then I lose the message. And the times I've had, I have played detective, that's when I was wrong. Now, sometimes what can happen, especially on a murder case or missing person, uh, even with clients, you know, uh, I had one lady who said, uh, she was just being very negative and I ended the reading. She says, well, I'll give you a bad write-up on, on, online. My daughter and I said, well, go right ahead. <laughs> I see that a lot too, Mel. And I, I see it as push energy, right? If you are pushing that message to come through, it's coming from a place of ego. And what I teach my students in the Angel Reiki school is that information from spirit works differently. It's just there when it's there, but I can't push it. So when there's lulls or like valleys and I'm not getting anything, all I have to do is sit in my high vibration and wait for that energy to come through. And then when it's there, that's what I give the client. Well, sometimes too, though, it's about being wrong. And I think when we are wrong, then we have to admit it. Because what can happen is sometimes I have people coming in and one lady, you know, she said, you said all of this, but it was the exact opposite. And so a lot of times when I've worked on murder cases and things where we were wrong, I was hooked in telepathically to their wants and desires. Tele telepathy means thought transference and didn't know it. And so that's what I was hooked into, but yet the opposite happened. Once I could hook into the energy of that, then, then I was past the telepathic thing. So sometimes we don't know if this is telepathy or precognition or whatever. On some of the police cases that we worked on when we were wrong, we were hooked into what the police officers were thinking uh, telepathically and didn't know it. And so, you know, sometimes we're wrong. And sometimes people come in and, you know, they they expect something out of a reading and it doesn't meet their expectations for some reason. And then, you know, they write a bad review. Or sometimes, you know, people have to realize that, you know, we're not God. And that sometimes we do miss. Like, try uh, being a gay man going on Fox News in Chicago predicting that Hillary Clinton would win the election. <laughs> I mean, she did win the popular vote. Unfortunately, she didn't win, you know, the other. I'm not being political. So, yeah. And I have people saying, you were wrong. And I, you know, I bowed nicely and said, okay. <laughs> so I think part of it is admitting that. You know, I had one man come in and he wanted to start a restaurant. And I told him, don't go into it undercapitalized, but it only had four or five tables. And I said, you really need to build the delivery business. And if you market it correctly online, this and that, you know, the business will make it. Well, he didn't do that. He thought it is the only way of marketing and the restaurant didn't make it. So he went on a year later and wrote this review on Yelp, I went, I, I went to see him about opening a business. It was a disaster. If he really had these abilities, why didn't he see this? So a lot of people get angry and they take it out on us as well. It comes with the territory, you know, and I've seen other mediums when they're performing are, are not performing, but well, let's say performing for lack of a better word, because some are, and they give a message and somebody says, no, no, no. And I think it'd be better if the medium would just say, okay, maybe, you know, it's not for you. I've got it wrong. And move on rather than, and then what they try to do is kind of blame the victim. <laughs> they blame the person they're reading. 
And they say to the person, well, there's got to be somebody there. You're just not feeling it and whatever. And so I stay away from that. And you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> so I think part of it is that ego stuff. And part of it is some of the, some of the bigger names in this industry who tell people, you don't have this gift. You shouldn't be doing this. So here again, and they never say they're wrong, by the way. <laughs> so I think we need to keep our egos in check when we do this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that what you were talking about before is just so powerful too, because it's something that I teach my students at the Angel Reiki School, which is you have to learn what the difference in energy is so that you're not reading people's thoughts or not projecting even what happened to you in your experiences in life onto that person. The other thing is energy shifts. So you have free will and you can come in for a reading, but then once you leave that reading and what you do with it, um, what you do and the choices that you make within your life are going to always start webbing out and creating these different outcomes. So we can give you your messages as best as they're coming through, but you have so much power over the outcome with de- the decisions that you're going to make. That I have people come and say, you told me I'd meet somebody I never did. I said, what did you do? go out and meet somebody? Well, nothing. I said, well, do you think it's going to fall from the sky? I mean, <laughs> you have to take action. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen if you don't take any action on it. And here again, that's not blaming the person I read. It's like, hello, or, you know, you want a promotion. Well, I see it, but you got to talk to your boss. I didn't get the promotion. Did you talk to your boss? No. Well, duh. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, but I, I think sometimes though, it's impossible not to read someone's thoughts. And so, but what we could say, and maybe, you know, I'm talking to myself here, is we can say to somebody, and I think I'm going to start doing this. It's like, you know, it's very possible I could be reading your wants and desires telepathically and just voice that to them. I do believe that, you know, the energy shifts. I always say the future is mutable. It's like a fire hose with no one holding on to it. It can go anywhere. So I think we can hold on to it and it'll be a slight wobble, but we can try to focus it a little bit. So the future is not just one thing. It's numerous possibilities. That's, and that's another reason how things can be wrong. And sometimes when we're doing this work, you know, when I read somebody, I don't know where I'm at in time, past, present, future. I could be seeing something retrocognitive, retrocognitively. That means in the past and think I'm in the future. But if you start getting, Thinking of all that, you get hung up in analysis paralysis. So just give the message. (laughs) Friends, if you feel called to work with me, do it. In March, we've got the Angel Reiki School on March 7th and 8th in Naperville, Illinois. Here you'll become a certified Reiki master teacher and learn how to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Also, March 2nd through 20th is our live e-course called Releasing Negative Thoughts and Training the Egoic Mind. It's all about how the ego tries to sabotage you, but when you're aware of this, you can stop it so that your egoic mind doesn't block your progress or your soul's path. Taking this course will also help you hear your intuition more. Book this e-course, our previous How to Talk to Angels e-course, or our manifestation e-course all on my website. Also, you can always book a one-on-one session with me for some healing and loving messages from your spirit team. Friends, when you book one or more of these services, it funds this podcast. 
Thank you so much for your support and keeping this show going. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast to hear all about the freebies we offer as well. So Mel, I have not done any work with ghosts and hauntings. I really see that there's no hell on the other side, that the devil really is in your mind, right? The egoic mind is the place where all suffering, all pain comes from. It comes from our thoughts and it grows. And there are so many people who, when they hear like, oh my gosh, you're listening to this Angels and Awakening podcast. What is this? Am I? going against my religion or something. When it comes to ghosts and those different things or like somebody will come in and they'll be like, I've got an entity attached to me. It's their egoic mind. They're coming from the egoic mind at a hundred percent. Whereas if you're doing your work, you can come from the egoic mind 0.002%. So what's happening with people when they have energies within their house or heavy energies at work? I know you've worked with this. I agree with you. I'm glad you said this. I do not believe in a burning hell. I do not believe in a cloven foot devil. I think that, I don't want to say good and evil, but th- those, uh, I don't want to say entities, but it is all a part of us and depending on how we want to use it for good or bad. You know, I love when you touch down for the people who call and say, oh, it's this angel thing and the church is against it and blah, blah, blah. I have a blessing from Pope John Paul II for being a psychic. And so when people say it's not of the, of the church, here again, there's my BS bell. You know, I got it because of, of my work with missing kids. There was a case in Italy where this was not a missing person's case, but it was a case in Italy where there's a gun and involved a priest and the mafia. And so I met the Archbishop of Naples. And so he asked me about it, the case, and I told him, and he said, uh, what do you want in return? And I said, well, I was working on a missing child at the time and we knew that she had been killed. And I just said, pray that, please pray that we find the perpetrator of this crime so he can't or she can't do it to other people. So, okay, I get a letter saying that I'm getting a blessing from Pope John Paul II. And I'm like, what? What is it? A, a blessing? Well, is it, for those of us, you can't see it, but it's on the wall behind you. It's just a special blessing for uh, heavenly graces and favors and for the gift. But anyway, so I got a, saying, I, I got a letter saying I was getting a, a blessing from the Pope. And I, I couldn't put it together. So I called the Archbishop of Naples and I said, what's going on? He said, well, the information you gave me about the case in Italy was resolved and it really helped resolve the case. He said, so when I went to the Holy Father in Rome and I told him that I talked to you uh, and the Holy Father believed. And I told him that you were working on this case of a missing child and that you helped find children. All you wanted from us was prayer that they find the murder of this child. And the Holy Father, I guess that I'll give him my blessing. And I'll pray that they find the child. And it was funny, uh, a week later, they did find the, the murder of the child after that happened. So then I have a, a calligraphy thing saying that it's, it's a blessing from Pope John Paul II. It's written in Italian, uh, an honor to a father, uh, for the archbishop. So it says, Meldor and family, prostrate yourselves at the feet of, of all the saints to implore this ultimate and special apostolic blessing uh, for your gifts and that you'll always have heavenly graces and favors. I was translating it from Italian as I was going on. <laughs> so when people say it's not of the church, bull hockey. You know, I, I agree so that there's no heaven or hell. <laughs> totally. 
and now hauntings, <laughs> uh, yes, we can say that word, uh, versus I say residual energy. So a lot of people will come in and say, oh, I'm feeling this feeling in my house and da 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 da. Better examples when my partner Gary and I, we do a lot of traveling. We were in Prague and we were doing a tour of the dungeons under the old town square. It was supposedly a haunted tour. And the guy said, uh, yeah, people feel this and that down here. And I didn't feel any spirit presence. And I put my hand on the wall and all of a sudden they started getting all these flashes. And so when I started telling the guy, he was like, yeah, that historically makes sense. And da, 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 da. And I'd never been there before. So residual energy just means energies of things that have happened there in the past, some way or another, are recorded there. And some of us are more sensitive to that than others. And sometimes that's referred to as a haunting. Like, for example, if you see the movie The Shining by Stephen King, and I met Stephen King, actually, when he was working on on one of his movies, uh, because my mentor was Peter Herkos. And Peter Herkos, uh, Stephen King got a lot of his ideas from going through Peter's files. So anyway, the movie The Shining, people think it's about a haunted hotel. It's not. They were both father and son, very intuitive, and they were hooking into the events that happened there. <laughs> so it's more like that. You know, a haunting, like with an evil ghost, I think that's bull hockey. I do think, though, there are spirits uh, that for some reason they haven't crossed to the light. They're called poltergeists. Uh, they won't hurt you. It's just that maybe karmically they're not ready. So when I hear people saying, we're going to do a spirit walkover, I go, you got to be careful to take that spirit to the light because if it hasn't finished its karmic debt, if you will, then you could create bad karma. So, but they really won't harm you at all. They just need to learn their lessons before they go to the light. But when we were in Reichsburg Castle in Germany, we were doing a tour of the castles in Kochum. We went in this lady's powder room and I saw this figure. And so it was a woman. So I said to the tour guide, I said to her in German, I didn't want everybody else to think I was crazy. Did anybody ever report seeing a spirit in here? And she said, yes, it's a woman. I said, it's a woman. She goes, yes, uh, we think it was a lady who was the last person who lived in the castle. So uh, that's not necessarily a haunting. I call it a visitation. <laughs> so th- that's how I describe it. So it doesn't have to. So it doesn't have to be so almost haunted. <laughs> okay, I love that. We've got a lot of questions though here. So um, before you said there's no heaven or hell, but I see us like before you jumped into that. I see us as going to the other side, and that there's multiple different layers and realms over there where we do have experiences. What do you see as happening when we do pass? Well, there's an old country and Western song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> I, I guess I've been over there many times. I don't know, maybe none, <laughs> depending on how old or young of a soul I am. You know, pe- some people think there's a hierarchy of the light. Others know. I, I look at it more like this. I don't see it as a place, but more like a state of being. And I think God or spirit, and I use those interchangeably, is everywhere. If I look at the tree, there's spirit. If I look at the dog, there's spirit. If I look at the rock, there's spirit. Okay. I throw some shamanistic beliefs in there too, but I think it's everywhere. So I think that when we shed our physical overcoat and we go into spirit, that spirit is everywhere. So we become one with that but yet keep our own personality and then just try to accomplish some of the lessons we need to learn 
If not, our mana, our life force comes back to have to try to learn it again. So that's how I view it. <laughs> that's awesome. Can I share how I see it? Yes, too? go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so but we all see it differently. We do. We do. But it doesn't make you right. It doesn't right. make. It's our own personal experience with spirit. That's what makes this work so exciting. It is. It is so exciting. So everybody does. And I think that that's part of what spirit shows me is that that they did it that way because we need each other. We need each other. No one person is blessed with all of the information because we have to work together here. So the way that I see it is it's almost like an hourglass of energy where the other side is right on top of this. It is just through this invisible quantum energy that's right here. And I think that the smallest piece of everything is God energy, just what you were saying. And that our soul's energy is able to cross through. That tunnel is the middle part of the hourglass and that the other side really is right on top of here. And I see it as where the other side, you know, spirit laughs sometimes and they're like, humans are so funny because they think like this is the only place that we can experience physicalness. There is a physical quality to some places on the other side. I've even had spirit come in sometimes in some of my readings and they'll, they'll be like, you can eat on the other side. You could do this on the other side. But then there is, and I don't think it's different layers. I believe that all souls are the same. You know, there's no Absolutely. hierarchy of souls, but there is a different level of it on the other side where we just go back into oneness with everything. I think if you saw in January the finale of The Good Place, they nailed it with their explanation kind of of the other side. But how do you, does that resonate? It totally resonates. That's what I was saying pretty much. Um, now, you know, in the shamanistic thing, and I've studied shamanism for years, I've studied Hawaiian it's not shamanism. Uh, it's more like kahunaism, the ways of Hawaii for years. And one of my pet peeves is when somebody takes a weekend seminar and says, I'm a kahuna or I'm a shaman. Wrong. <laughs> I mean, it takes years and years and years of study. But one of the things we talk about in shamanism is going to the different realms. So, you know, in that way of thinking, there's the underworld, which is not hell. It's not hell at all. It's more of a plane of existence that we travel to to see where our spirit animals are, our helpers, where our spirit plants are. Now, sometimes in the underworld, things can look very ugly, but just because they're ugly doesn't mean that they won't guide us and help us. So we have to get rid of our judgments of what's beautiful, because sometimes things are that are very beautiful can be very toxic. So we have to get rid of that preconceived notion of what's beautiful and not beautiful. All right. The middle world that we come to would be more like our ordinary existence where we are now. Right. The upper world would be where we would go to see if we got it. So the underworld's where our battles are, but it doesn't have to be a bad place. So if you look at it like a tree, the roots of the tree would be the underworld. It's the thing that, that, grounds us. It's a thing that if something's wrong with the roots, the whole tree is going to go. The trunk of the tree is the middle world. The canopy is the upper world. And so, you know, so the idea of doing the journeying, or, or we're talking about different planes, is because in the shamanistic way, everything has to be in balance. It's balance, balance, balance. And so we travel to the different worlds 
to see what is out of balance and how to bring it in balance. So the difference between, I think, a shaman and a healer is a shaman travels a little different planes. So, you know, they both heal, but the shaman tries to get everything back and in, into being holistic, back in harmony. And when you said, you know, uh, that you, you talked about a lot of times, you know, this tunnel, um, when I do, when I, teach meditation, I hear people go through a tunnel because in the shamanistic way, the tunnel or the pipe is the umbilicus, the, 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 the umbilical cord that connects us to spirit. So that's why we use that analogy. The smoke, okay, is the idea that the smoke, it comes through the umbilicus from spirit and then it goes to purify everything and bring it back down. Mind blown. I love how you explained that. That was brilliant. And for everybody who's listening, Mel is a huge animal lover. I know that all of you two are. I get so many questions about animals and animals. Can they be our spirit guides from the other side? Uh, when I came into Mel's office, he's showing me how he's training his dog, which is, which is a, a service dog. And I mean, you're a phenomenal dog trainer as well. You do so much work with animals. Talk to us about the role of animals in our lives and really the role of animals that they still continue to play for us from the other side. Do you believe that our animals can walk in and maybe explain what a walk-in is to our listeners? Well, number one, animals have souls. You know, we have our animal beings, our spirit helpers. You know, our power animals, you know, they're metaphor for something else. But in, in, in the shamanistic way, the north is the direction of the buffalo, the white buffalo, which means unification. It's very rare that a white buffalo is, is born. And when it is, um, by the time it becomes an adult, it changes colors. But it means unification. The east is the eagle, which is wisdom, a keen eye. Flying high on ideas, but being grounded because you have to come to the ground to eat. The South is the wolf. The wolf is the keeper of intuition. Wolf is also the tribe's greatest teacher. Grandmother Moon is the intuitive. And wolf howls at Grandmother Moon because wolf is speaking to Grandmother Moon to get the intuition. The West is a symbol of the bear, warrior spirit, hibernation. We have to sometimes go inward to find the answers. When some people say I'm depressed, I said, no, you're in hibernation. All right. Depression gives it negative energy. Hibernation is like, it's okay. But when we come out, we have the new ideas and we're very powerful about them. Uh, like bear guarding the young. So there's been totem animals for years. You know, for example, when our dog Radar died back in 2016, my mother died and seven months later, our dog died and then a couple cousins died. Radar was only six. She had cancer. But I was going into a deep depression. And something one night, I saw Radar in my room and my mother there. And it, it's in this inner voice that said, you know, surf the internet or go on the internet. So I was looking for dogs and I just clicked on Chicago Canine Rescue and it said, our pets. And so they very rarely, rarely get puppies. But they had five puppies from a high-kill shelter from Kentucky that they kept together. I'm from Kentucky. Synchronicity. <laughs> so I went to look at my dog's sister, 
and they had both dogs in the room. Lucky my dog was the smallest. And uh, the sister was jumping all over me, but Lucky just put her head in my hand. It was like, mm, mm, take me. And they told me three people wanted her. I didn't think I was going to get her. But some of my psychic friends said, write a letter. And I'm like, nah, they wrote a letter for me. And so they told my story. And when the three people that wanted the dog heard the story, they said, let him have her. So I promised I would train her to the nth degree. My partner didn't want a dog. And after sleeping on the couch for three nights, <laughs> he agreed. But anyway, uh, I, when I first got her, I couldn't think of a name because they had named her Hanada. Don't ask me where they got that. So I was talking to my sister in Kentucky, and she said, well, you're lucky to have her. How about Lucky from Kentucky? So the point of me getting lucky was that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that my dog Radar sent her to me and my dog Gizmo. I've got a, some dogs in spirit. So they do have souls. Absolutely. And dogs are very, very, very intuitive. You know, for example, even Lucky will do this. Uh, my partner, you know, usually gets home around, you know, quarter to six from work. But, you know, she usually sits by the door. But then on some days she'll go to the door like at five. I'm like, why is she at the door? And he'll say like, I took the early train and the dog picks up on it. And there's no way that she would be able to know that. So a lot of times two dogs are very, very, very sensitive to energies. So for the people who have pets, and if you're walking your dog and you're going to be like anxious, this and that, the dog senses that, that energy transfers through the leash. So that dog can be a mirror of what we are. And so those are just some of the ways that, that animals you know, can totally help us. You know, I, I, I'm going to teach a class called canine intuitive connection or intuitive canine connection because I think that, you know, in addition to the intuitive part of it, the dogs or cats or birds, you know, they help us. They're almost like a spirit guide. They help us. They give us comfort when we're not feeling well. They bring us peace. They keep us grounded. You know, when we're anxious, they help us with that. That's kind of what a spirit guide is as well. So, yes, dogs can walk in. Absolutely. That's amazing. I'm sure all of you guys love that. And Mel, will you let us know when you're going to do that class? Because I'm sure there are so many people who would love to take it. Maybe we can co-teach it. Oh, I love that. That would be so much fun. Thanks, Mel. Okay, I want to jump topics now into something else because, you know, I just love healers. Like, I love working with you. I love, like, we've got mutual friends. And what I love is that you really can find people in this community, like, as I've been with you all morning, the, the energy is just so supportive, right? Like, I know I could tell you anything and you're not going to use it against me, right? And I love that we have so, like a network of people who are just encouraging. So I want to tell you what I see when it comes to past lives or Akashic record work. And I want to get your opinion on it because there's so many people who are like, well, what does all this mean? Spirit shows me, at least for the work that I do, sometimes past life work does come up, right? That there's sometimes where something will come up or somebody will come in and they'll say, like my best friend one time she came in and she was like, Julie, I jump all the time. Like I'm so antsy. Let's go into this, into past lives and figure out what happened. Well, we both said it at the exact same time. We were like London late at night alley and that she had been killed. But 
what I see too, what Spirit says, is that past life work can become Pandora's box, where you have closed so much of all the different things that you've been through. If you're going to go into past life work, only use it to what lessons have rolled over from past lives that you're still working on in this lifetime. Otherwise, you're just dredging up, since we're swearing in this one, past that you do not need to be going into. So don't open up Pandora's box. Keep it closed. If there is stuff, spirit will bring it through. What do you see past lives, Akashic Records? Well, here again, I'm from the old school. Uh, so when people say they're accessing the Akashic Records and they're doing this, they're giving a reading. That's what it's called, a reading. <laughs> I just take all the fancy terminology off of it. You know, I'm kind of like maybe sometimes too outspoken. <laughs> maybe that's my warrior spirit. The Akasha is just spirit. You know, and the astral plane is what connects our physical being to spirit. So spirit will come to us on that astral plane as well. So years ago, we called it astral projecting or clairvoyant travel. Now we call it coordinate remote viewing. So we go on the astral plane, spirit meets us there. And that's kind of how it works. So when we're communicating with spirit, even though we're in the here and now, the telepathy of that goes to the astral plane and back. That's kind of how it works. I think with past lives, you know, I get so sick of people coming in here saying, well, I have this disease because in a past life, you know, I did this and that and da, da, da. And I say, wrong. This is this life. The universe has some rough edges. You know, sometimes God is not up there saying on this date, Jane Doe will get, you know, gout. It doesn't work that way. You know, there's things that happen. So the past life stuff, I, you know, I think there are some carryovers, but I would hate to think that I am relegated in this life. I'm stuck in something because of a past life. I think that's very limiting and I think it's unfair. I look at it as like what comes back is the mana, the life force, and it was given to me for some reason. It's not male, female, positive, or negative. It's that. And when I came back, there was a tabula rasa. That means a blank sheet. And I get to write anything on it I want. And if if the writing hasn't helped people or if it's hurt people, then that energy has to keep coming back and back and back. Okay? But that doesn't mean I'm relegated in this life because of a past life. I find that very limiting and I find it rather depressing. Of course, I believe in past lives. I think you're right. We do have to be careful because if we start dredging up all that crap, you know, then we can cause real pilikia, that's a Hawaiian word, meaning trouble or heva wrongs in this life for ourselves. The other thing is you got to be careful of, there are people who are very suggestible. And so if they're having a past life regression and somebody says, oh, you were crucified upside down in the Roman forum and da, 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 da. All right. Because they are so suggestible. You might awaken some sort of mental illness they've had or some sort of, you know, paranoid delusion. So you got to be careful with that. Like I've had clients come in here and I knew they were delusional. And I know it was a mental illness. So rather than try to talk them out of it, I just said, I don't think I'm the person that can help you, but here's someone who can. And, I, you know, if you give them a name of a psychiatrist, well, psychiatrist caused me to be this way, da, 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 da. I'm saying, well, not all of them are bad. And, you know, you kind of got to put yourself in their world. But yet, 
to help them. But you got to be really, really careful. And I see a lot of people who are practicing hypnotherapy and things like that. They just don't have a clue. You know, I saw a special on television once where, you know, certified hypnotherapist and this news anchor sent the name of his cat and his cat got certified. So just because you see the certification doesn't necessarily, you know, I think the person really has to know what they're doing. And I think when we do the psychic work with past lives, all the above, we really, really, really have to be careful. Absolutely. And I've completely seen what you were saying. I had a woman come into my office and she said, Julie, I went to this past life regressionist and she said that I was violently attacked by all of these people in this event in a past life. And we walked through this event in detail to wash it away, to clear the energy. And she said, you know, this is how it's affected me. This is how it's impacted me. And I don't think she even realized to the extent that she was holding holding on to that past life experience, so-called experience that they walked through. It wasn't something in her energy field before she went in for this session, but then afterwards she couldn't shake the energy of it. And she was creating this victimhood. So when you talk about opening up new boxes, she created this whole victimhood mentality in her life where then it was blaming and shaming everybody else for everything. And she had a very hard time. This is a person that I I've seen over, you know, a, over a decade have trouble coming out of this victim mentality from this one session. Chances are, though, she probably had some insecurity or maybe a victim mentality before that. But yet going through that session just put fuel to the fire. It gave her the excuse she needed. <laughs> Rather than saying, wait a minute, there's something going inside of me that's causing me to be the victim. It's much easier to say, well, I'm the victim because in a past life, I was brutally attacked. You know, so it kind of becomes a cop out. I mean, you, you really have to th really do the soul searching and think, even if that wasn't past life and it was a symbol or something I saw in my head, what did that mean? I've got to stop being the victim. But I like being the victim because if I'm the victim, look at the attention I'm getting. Look at how the spotlight's on me. It's a form of narcissism. So you kind of have to delve into that too. <laughs> Yep. We all have to do our work. Mel, I could sit here and talk to you all day long. I've got a couple more questions, but we've got to have you back on the show. This was just amazing. Uh, we got to do more work together. I felt that as I was driving over, like we're going to be working on some stuff together. I was thinking that on the way here too. So Yay. Um, so we're both on the same intuitive track. I have been working with so many people over the last year who say, Julie, two things. They're either hearing ringing in their ears and they either ask God to take it away. It's not going away. Um, they ask spirit to really clarify the message. You know, Lord, if I'm not hearing this correctly, pre please bring it through more crystal clear so that I can get to the message so that this ringing can stop impacting my life and they can't get the ringing in the ears to go away. Is this tonight? Do you call it tinnitus? Okay. Is it that or is it something else? The other thing is some people hear spirit 
right when they wake up in the morning, like they're getting, some people say that it's spirit yelling at them, yelling a name or yelling something, but it's always right in the morning, right when they wake up loud and clear, they're hearing something. What's going on in those two different scenarios? Okay. Uh, the ringing in the ears, if it just, if you're actually hearing it, physically hearing it, that's tinnitus or tinnitus. All right. I have something called Meniere syndrome. And also I have something called a Chiari 1 malformation. So a piece of my cere- cerebellum is herniated down into the canal where the spine meets the head. It's probably been there my whole life. Maybe it's the seat of my psychic ability. It does give really bad headaches. But anyway, that causes tinnitus and I have hearing loss. So not that I'm an expert on hearing loss, but I know a lot about it. That's where we're training the dog to help me with my hearing to be a service dog uh, for things I can't hear. I, I think what you're describing is more tinnitus. All right. If you get this kind of hearing it with your inner ear, your, your psychic ear, I should say. Okay. And if, and if you're not quite getting the message, then you're trying too hard. Just let it flow. And it's the first thing that pops into their head. It might, it might seem like it doesn't make any sense, but maybe it does. That's part of the message. The other thing I think with hearing voices, uh, provided that a person is not having for real auditory hallucinations, provided that they're not mentally ill. Right before we go to bed at night, I, I teach a class on dreaming and different stages of sleep. All right. So when we're in a stage one sleep, we're just falling asleep. And right as we do that, we jerk. It's called a myoclonic jerk. And right before we go into stage two sleep, that's when we hear the voices. Okay. In the morning when we're waking up, we don't go from a five, stage five to a one. We go from five to two and then back into one. So what's happening there is that's another time they're hearing the voices. Now, why then and not in our waking state? Because the brain is at a different, it's in a different state of being. It's in a different gear, if you will. And so we're not having all of the distractions, the chatter, the, I gotta answer the phone or I gotta write my blog or I gotta, you know, interview Mel today or whatever. Um, I think when we're in bed, it's like, it's peaceful. The messages come through. And sometimes you don't really get a message. It's like hearing voices and it's almost like mumbling. You know, I, th- now metaphysically, I believe that spirit guides. Uh, I really do. Or as you would say, angels. Okay. I use those terms interchangeably. It's okay to say aliens. I don't care. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's when they're coming through. And typically the message might be just one or two words that you can understand, but just keep note of that. So that's how I explain this. Oh, I love that. I love that. So if you do hear that voice in the morning, keeping note of what it is and what the message is. Male, is it female? Is it, you know, more like mumbling? Was it more than one voice? Yeah. Yeah. Once you know that, then you can go into it deeper. Well, Mel, thank you so much for your time here. I am so excited that I just got to meet you for the first time today. And uh, well, in past lives, in past lives, we do each other. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Definitely. Um, definitely a soul friend. Thank you. We will definitely have Mel back on, but it was a pleasure to have you here today. It was my pleasure being here. I said, we've known each other in past lives. Maybe we were uh, wannabe radio announcers back then. <laughs> and we're doing it now. <laughs>
I love it. I love it. And we'll continue this work. If you have questions for Mel, definitely hop on over to Instagram or to the Facebook group that we have. And you can ask those questions over there, Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe on Facebook. We'll take all of those questions and we will have Mel on again to ask him. Mel, for people who want to find you, where can they find you? They can go to my website, Meldor, D-O-E-R-R dot com or call my office at area code 847-590-5411. Awesome. And we've got all of that information for you in the show notes as well. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Beautiful souls, we have so many freebies to help serve you, your family, and friends. Want a weekly message from your angels emailed to you? Sign up on my website to receive a weekly message of love, hope, and healing from the angels. Do you have a prayer request? Go to the homepage of my website and submit your prayer request so that our team of prayer warriors can be praying for you daily. Want to learn more about the angels and energy healing? Subscribe to my YouTube channel called Julie Jancis to learn more about the angels, energy healing techniques, and so much more. One of the biggest things we hear from our listeners is that they have no one to talk to about their spiritual awakening. We created a private Facebook group called the Angels and Awakening Podcast Tribe so that you could connect with others like you and know that you're not alone. So be sure to join this group on Facebook to get the support you need. Want a free session? We plan to give away over 240 free sessions with students in the Angel School per year. To win a free session, subscribe and rate this podcast five stars. Then write a positive review and email us a screenshot. That way we know who to contact when you win. Want to share your uplifting angel story on the podcast? Because we love sharing them. Please write down your angel story and email it to us. Don't forget, be an angel and share this podcast with someone who needs it. See you back here next time for another episode of the Angels and Awakening podcast. Friends, before we go, I want you to take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. Again, deep breath, inhaling the pure white light and love of God, making you feel weightless and filled with joy. And I want you to exhale all of the heaviness that you've been carrying in your auric field, in your chakras, in your body. Friends, no matter where you are in your life, your angels need you to know that you are so, so loved. Never doubt that you have big, big purpose here and now. What is your soul here to do? My friends, your spirit team is always working with you. I want you to see and feel your heart chakra and your heart itself opening like French doors. I want you to see God and your spirit team sending you a multitude of blessings of abundance in health, wealth, happiness, love, and peace. See all of those unexpected blessings 
filling your heart right now. My friends, your soul is love, joy, peace, bliss, ease, and grace. And because that's who and what you truly are, these elements can never leave you. They can never be taken away from you. And my friends, all you really ever have to do is just be. Be you and radiate the beautiful light that you are. So go forth today and be an angel in the lives of others. Radiate your love and live in the high vibration of simply being.